You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Well, good morning, church. It is absolutely fantastic to be here and uh, great to uh, come on the last Sunday when the bases are loaded. It, uh, it really is delightful and so thankful for all that you do in uh, Mapleview and your focus upon the world. I'm excited about what God is doing in the world that we live in today. Yeah, the news talks about the chaos, but, but there are stories that you won't find on the news, you won't find on the BBC or the CBC or, or wherever, but you need to know that God is at work in the world today, amen? amen. And so it's, it's a delight to be able to focus on that today. And, and I wanna ask you this question. When, when you see this word, what do you think about? Just, just shout it out. When you see the word, Harvest, what do you think about? Food? Food, food, oh, com- sorry, who said that? Farmer, somebody said combines, who said combines? Jay, Jay, you see, for me, Jay, Jay was in first service, that's cheating, man. <laughs> that's what I think about. It's, it's this um, incredible machine, right? The, the machine that, that, like, it, it hums. I mean, there is dust and there is all sorts of things going on. And it comes up to a field that is, you know, corn high or, or grain high. And I mean, it takes it all and, and separates it and gets it ready. Like that's such a great illustration of what God is doing in the world in the modern missions movement particularly, and as the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we've been a part of it for the last 103 years. And so as we've been doing this, we have seen God do amazing, amazing things. And much of what we've done has been focused on Sub-Saharan Africa. That's the place that we have, you know, over the last century really been focused on. Can I tell you something? Africa, the place that we used to send all of our missionaries to, it's going to be the continent that is the first continent to be more than 50% Christian. Yeah, absolutely. That's worth celebrating. So here's, here's a bit of a, you know, a newsflash. North America is no longer the center of Christianity. We have historically known from Europe and North America sending missionaries, but as a matter of fact, the number of believers in the places that were receiving missionaries is greater than the places that were sending them years and years ago because God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is such a good news story about what God is doing. So for us within the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and I don't know if you guys can show the slides that we've got, but this one kind of captures a little bit about where we're at. And, and there's about 300, um, are we, uh, we'll just keep going. We'll sort it out, we good? So there's, there's about 300 believers uh, or 300 global workers that we have that are, are working amongst the nations. Over the last 103 years, about 3,000 global workers that have seen 12 million individuals who have come to faith for the very first time. That's an incredible thing to think about, that we get to be a part of what God is doing in the world and for us to be able to do that. Oh, there we are. We're on the combine. Okay. So I had no idea where I was clicking to. So let me catch up with us. Let's see how many. There we are. Yeah. So such an exciting time to be living in what God is doing 
around the world and for us to be able to be a part of it. But here's the issue. That combine, that success of the modern mission movement, our success can be our demise. So what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is we become so enamored with our methods. We become so enamored with what God has done over the last century that we say, oh, we just got to keep doing that. That's the thing to do. So, so we take this combine, we, we stick it into a 40-foot shipping container, and we get it on a ship, and we take it over to, to the new places that we've got to go, because there are places in the world where there isn't a Maple View church on the corner. Did you know that? There are still places. In Sub-Saharan Africa, we rejoice at what God is doing. But in many places like Asia, there's a lot of places where there's not a church that is strong enough to be able to bear witness to the people that live in that neighborhood. And that needs to change. Amen? And so we look at that and we say, okay, we've got to go. And so imagine getting that, that, that thing and, and that combine. You assemble it again, get every nut and bolt. It's humming again. It's really going. And so you're like, this is exciting. We're going to see a harvest here in Asia, only to look up at the fields that are ripe unto harvest and realize we got a problem because what got us here won't get us there. And so we've got to think about how are we going to do the mission? The mission hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. But we've got to find new ways to be able to go to the places where the gospel has not yet been shared, where the church does not yet exist, and to be able to go and see what we've seen and celebrate sub-Saharan Africa, but see it take place in other places around the world. So what does that look like? Well, if we take a look at it in terms of a map, this is what it looks like. Green is the, are the, the dots that reflect Islam and the people groups where the church needs to be planted. We have Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Green, yellow, and orange. And so this is the challenge of being able to go to these places. A combine is not going to work. So what are we going to be able to use? Well, it's a little messier. It's a little bit more organics, grassroots, can we say, but it's disciples making disciples. It's being able to see somebody whose life is transformed who then sees the life of another individual who is transformed. And it's very different than the plains of Saskatchewan where you can use a combine and along it hums. It's a little bit different. So today, I want to go back to a, a question that God asked thousands and thousands of years ago to a man named Moses. God said to him, what is in your hand? And as we think about Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. You know, he had this, this desire to see his people, you know, kind of throw off their oppressor and he kind of messed it up and murdered a guy and had to run off and 40 years with one of these in his hands, he became very familiar with it, and lots of sheep. And then one day, something astounding happened. He looked over and there was a burning bush. Now, just to be clear, a burning bush is not astounding. In deserts, that happens. But the astounding thing is that it didn't burn up. So I don't know how many hours he had to wait, but eventually he got to the point, he's like, I, I got to go check this out. And we know that as Moses walked over, that he met with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He took off his shoes. The place where he was standing was holy ground. And God met with him. And God had the audacity of saying to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and to set my people 
free. Moses had tried that once before. It did not go well. So Moses started coming up with excuses. I've looked at his excuses. I actually think they're legit. I mean, he stutters, and so he's kind of like, God, I, I, you, can't, you can't ask me to talk. He says, God, I've, I've, I've got a past, you know, I can't, I can't go back there. He says this, what if they don't believe me or listen to what I say? For they might say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And God said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. God told him, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. It immediately became a snake. He recoils from it. God says, pick it up again. I guess Moses didn't know how to deal with snakes. You don't grab them by the tail, but it says scripturally he grabbed it by the tail. Amazingly, it turns back into a staff, and God deals with Moses' excuses. I want to ask you the question, what is in your hand? Maybe God's asking you that question today. What is in your hand? And maybe like Moses, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. God can't use what I've got. God can't use this. I want you to know that the God that we serve wants us to put aside our excuses and to begin to follow him in what he's called us to do. Jesus said that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the utmost ends of the earth, right? I'm going to say that one more time. Listen carefully. Jesus asked us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the utmost ends of the earth. Is that correct? No. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost ends of the earth. You see, sometimes we, and I want to say here in Mapleview, I love the global focus. And I know that our global workers know this church because you give generously every year to specific ones, but many as well, all of them at one point. I know you do that. So thank you. So that is not the case here. But as a local church, sometimes we can give the excuse of saying, you know what? We're going to take care of our Jerusalem. We'll let somebody else worry about Samaria. Or we'll take care of maybe a little bit more. We'll think about our Judea. But the ends of the earth, that's for somebody else to take care of. God says to the local church, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost ends of the earth. We don't get to have excuses. Moses didn't get to have excuses. God called him to go. And so Moses went. The scripture tells us this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now listen, historically, those 3,000 workers that we sent, many of them were pastors, but I want you to know that, that the combine of last year is not gonna work for the Asia rice fields of tomorrow. If we're gonna go there, we actually need to be looking, and I'm kind of meddling, sorry, Pastor Jay, hopefully some of these people won't be here next year, but God is looking for people who have something in their hand that's more than a Bachelor of Theology and a pastoral degree because they're actually tough to get into some of these restricted places that we need to be going to. And so we need people like the teacher who we sent who's teaching in a school in a restricted context and is able to bring salt and light in such a way that they transform the way that the other teachers around them are treating the kids in that school and sharing the love of Jesus. 
Like the woman who was a businesswoman in Ottawa, and as she got close to the, to the retirement, she kind of thought, what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit back and relax? And God challenged her and called her, and she sold her business. She moved to Asia to a very beautiful place, but also a very restricted place, and she started a business now that is employing individuals who have been set free from the sex trade and whose lives are being rebuilt in Christ, and she's being able to bring about transformation. It's about a doctor who I understand was here, who is able to work part-time here in Canada and then to go overseas. And while she goes there, she goes and she is able to bring physical healing, but also spiritual healing into communities and contexts where sometimes a missionary would not be allowed, but a medical doctor, welcome. You see, that's what we need. And so what is it in your hands? And you might think, well, this is just for the pastors. I want you to know clearly today that it is not. God wants to use what's in your hands. And so here's the website that I want you to be able to be aware of. It's Business's Mission. There's a great guy, Aubrey, who founded it, co-founded it with Carrie Ann. And if you want to reach out to them, just let them know there is some crazy bearded guy with a wood stick in his hand, and he said to check it out. And, and it's an opportunity if you have a profession or a business, and you want to find ways to be able to live missionally, not just overseas, but here in Canada as well, but maybe with a, con- a, a consideration for going overseas, then I would encourage you to check this out. I'm going to ask Innocent and Immaculate to come up here and join me really quickly. See, they're a couple who God has called, and I want them to have the opportunity to share briefly about their story, and they have five adult children, but tell us really quickly uh, where you're from and uh, what you've been doing recently. Thank you. Uh, we, uh, I came to Canada in 2003 uh, from Rwanda. And uh, in two months, I will be 21 years here. And the last three decades, since we were young, we were pastoring in Congo, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Rwanda. And since 2013, we planted a church in Edmonton, Alberta, where we live. And uh, soon, we are going in Guinea. So what have you, where have you pastored and, and planted a church, but you've also been working? Yes, the last six years, I worked as an employment counselor for a francophone organization in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, serving new newcomers uh, from francophone countries around the world. And Thank now you. we have resigned just to go to Guinea. Thank you, Innocent. Immaculate. Uh, good morning. Uh, I have been in Canada uh, 12 years. And for last seven years, I was working um, with uh, Catholic Social Services as healthcare aid. Fantastic. Innocent, you told us you're going to Guinea. Tell us what you're going to be doing and why. Uh, first of all, uh, the reason we resigned, we heard Guinea is 87% unreached Muslims. And we said, we have to join global workers who are already there, there's just a couple, uh, to plant churches all across the country. And also train the young generation to reach out to their own communities there. Those are the two mains, but there are more to do there. Thank you. God bless you. Let me brag on them for just a moment because they could have stayed here in Canada. 
You may have caught that Innocent was here for 21 years and Immaculate has been here for 12 years. Let me tell you, the journey to get to Canada was not easy for them as a family. They are now set up. They have five adult children. Grandchildren will probably be on the way. They should just stay in Edmonton. But God asked them to go. And they didn't give excuses. They're taking what's in their hands and they're willing to go back to the continent that they're from, but not home to them. They are going to an unreached place amongst Muslims to be able to see the kingdom of God advance. And I am inspired by their story. I don't know about you. And if you want to find out more, they're going to be out at a, at a, a table in the foyer. Ask them about the coat that God provided that was kind of like the oil of that widow. It just kept on providing for their needs. It's an incredible story of God's faithfulness. What is in your hand? Well, this is a 1299 Canadian Tire special. I'll tell you, this just fills you with incredible confidence. I mean, I would face with this, I would face a ferocious squirrel. A bear? I don't think so. A lion? No. A nine-foot giant named Goliath? Definitely not with this. And you think that's better? That was the old style. This is new and improved. I mean, you know the story of David and Goliath, 1 Kings chapter 17, right? What was in his hand? It was what he knew, a simple slingshot. You see, there was a Goliath, there was a giant that was taunting the armies, and we would think, well, the army could deal with Goliath, but it didn't. Instead, it was a teenage boy with a simple slingshot. And you see, God wants us to put aside our excuses, and that's the Moses story, but God wants us to recognize that he's choosing you. Simple. God chooses the foolish things of the world to be able to shame the wise. And if you think you're amongst the wise, then maybe you have a lesson to learn. But if we recognize, what do I have to offer? That's the place at which God decides to use us. And so as we take a look at this, the unreached people groups of our world, this is another way of looking at it in terms of those red dots and the places where it's needed. And, and Asia is prominent. India is, is a, a, a country, be, geographical country, with so many unreached people groups within it. And you think, well, how are we possibly going to be able to do it? And if you take a look at joshuaproject.net, second and last website that I'm pointing you to today, I want to encourage you to check that out in terms of understanding because when Jesus said go to all the nations, he wasn't talking about Iraq or Iran or China or Russia or USSR, which one, right? Because things change in terms of geographical. But what he was talking about was the, the ethne is the Greek word about the people groups of the world and for us to go to every people group. And so we need to be looking at that. So God decides to use the simple things 
to be able to shame the wise. Giants aren't defeated by armies, but by simply teenagers with five stones. It's not the big combines that are going to go and reach the unreached. It's actually the simple oxen. So I want to tell you a couple of simple stories, like Andrew, who lives in Asia, and in the neighborhood that he lives in, it's a restricted context, Muslim context, and he wants his son to be able to have a bike. Well, it'd be kind of unfair for him to get a bike when all the neighborhood kids don't have bikes, so he bought 10 instead. And he made them available for everybody in the neighborhood. Simple. But in that way, he, he was looking out and finding opportunities to be able to share Jesus. He got known in the community. He also got known as the bike repair guy. So, you know, he did a lot of bike repairs. But as he's doing that, he's getting to know the parents. He's getting to know the kids and able to bring about transformation in the community that he's living. I want to tell you about the young men who, in very simple ways, were simply driving trucks. But they were driving it into Ukraine. Young men who are believers. Now, last year... Across the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, there was $2 million that came in to Erdo to be able to help out with those who were in Ukraine for the great needs that they had. That's quite incredible, and it's great to be a part of that. But there were young men who risked their lives in a simple way of driving a truck across into a war zone and delivering much-needed uh, aid. Tell you about Mo, who's a young man, grew up in a village, very simple, but now he's actually able to share the gospel in his context in incredible and creative ways. He's also responding to one of the natural disasters that took place in North Africa this year and is reaching 500 different families with aid that they need. You see, God uses the simple things. So, will God use you? Absolutely. If you're willing to put aside your excuses and say yes to God's commission, and taking the first step. You may not know where it leads, but you know the one who leads you. Do we have any J.R.R. Tolkien fans? Right? The hobbits, the simple folk who determine the future of Middle Earth. Bilbo Baggins, one step in front of the other, don't know what adventure awaits. Are we willing to put aside our excuses, recognize that God wants to use us? The last question, what is in your hand? Well, this is a lunch. In John chapter 6, we have this story, and I love it because Jesus smirks. I know some of you want to get your Bibles out now because you're like, I don't remember that word in Scripture. I'm taking a little bit of liberty. Stick with me, okay? Jesus is sitting on the hillside. He's with Philip, and I can just imagine him. He kind of nudges Philip. He's like, look, and Philip's looking. He's, you know, and Jesus is like, what are we going to do about feeding all these people? And Jesus smirked. Well, it doesn't say that he smirked, but it says he knew what he was going to do. You see, Jesus had a plan, but he still asked Philip, and I can just see Philip, you know, oh my, and he probably pulled out his abacus. And he's starting to count 5,000 men plus women and children. And he does some other math on his abacus. And he says, if I worked for 200 days straight and didn't use a, a shekel of it, I would not have enough to even give a little bit of food to all the people that are here. And, 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 and he's just, he's fretting. He's wondering, what am I going to do? All we've got is five loaves and two fishes. What are we going to do with that? 
but we serve a God of the impossible. Amen? We serve a God of the impossible. And that day, Jesus taught Philip and the others an incredible lesson because they, with a little bag lunch, picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. God specializes in the impossible. Now, what is our impossible? Well, our impossible as we think about the task remaining is really represented by this in Mission Global. We think about the, listen to this, 3.1 billion who are considered unreached. That's not about not Christian. That means they don't have an opportunity to be able to attend a church on their street corner. It means that there's not a church that is planted and that there's not enough Christians in their people group who speak their language that they would be able to bear witness of the gospel. They're actually gospel poor. We also have just under a billion people who live on less than $2.15 USD per day, extreme poverty. They need the basic necessities of life. And for us, it's that overlap in between that while it's the impossible, we serve a God who allows us to be able to go in without our excuses, using us and the simple way that we go about it to be able to see transformation. I need five people to come up real quickly because in this uh, lunchbox, I actually have some candies. Anybody like chocolate? I need five people real quick. Good, one. Two, awesome. Three, four, come on right up here and just, yeah, oh yeah, are you good? Oh, I just about <laughs> took a tumble and I'm coming to help you, my goodness. All right, come on over, come on over. We got, uh, oh, it's all right, we got six. We're, we're, we're a happy bunch. I got lots of candies here, so yeah. All right, you've already got a candy, that's good. Is it a good one? Yeah, what flavor? Cherry, awesome. Oh, no, no, just stay with us. That's okay, don't worry, you just stay with us. We're good, okay. All right, here we are, okay. Um, so cherry, it's good. All right. So what's your favorite? Oh, let me tell you what's here. We got Kit Kat, Arrow. Um, what's this one? Coffee, Coffee crisp. Very good. And Smarties. I didn't say that one yet. Right. So those are the four. Which one's your favorite? Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Awesome. There you go. Very good. And what's your favorite? Coffee crisp. I have a coffee crisp. That's fantastic. There you go. You get a coffee crisp. <laughs> And what about you? What's your favorite? Co co oh, you know what? I got another coffee crisp. That's, oh, that's not coffee crisp. There we go. There for you. And what's your favorite? Kit Kat. Kit Kat. I have a Kit Kat for you. And what's your favorite? Boy, you guys all like Kit Kats. And for you guys are getting the point, right? You see, here's the thing. Oh, what's your favorite? Yeah, like it really matters, eh? Here you go. So here's the thing. As a church, we need to stop giving the gospel message to those who have heard it when there are 3.1 billion on the planet who have not heard it once. Say, that's impossible. How are we supposed to get there? We serve a God of the impossible. Let's stop giving excuses. Let's recognize that we are Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost ends of the earth, and that God can use us to be able to go in simple ways, to be able to allow them the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Now, I know some of you are upset with me because I only gave it to one person. Thank you. Where you go.
All for you. All, all yours. You keep them all. There you go. Oh, no, no, don't share. Don't share. That will ruin my illustration. <laughs> you see, the North American church typically only sends one missionary out of every 25 to the least reached. As we close, let me tell you a few quick stories of the impossible that God has done. It's a North African country, highly persecuted. Number of believers is usually in the teens to the 20s for decades. But what has happened is as one believer kind of adds, they, they probably get persecuted, they leave, or sometimes their lives are taken. And yet this past year and a half ago, there was 11 individuals in that nation that were baptized. Now that might be like a normal Sunday baptism here, but that is earth like shattering, historic changing for that nation. And now God has been doing incredible things. There's probably five times the number of believers than there has been historically in that place. For Erdo, they, they saw the name of somebody who was making application for a job. Her name was Patricia, but they actually found out that she was already in their records. She was in Montreal, had studied at McGill, and now is applying, but she was actually once herself a sponsor child. And she tells the story of how excited she is. This isn't just a job for her. It's a passion piece because she knows the difference that it can make when a child is sponsored to be able to get education. We talk about Ethiopia and Ramadan comes in and there's, there's funds to be able to send 3,000 evangelists to be able to go, go and share. But how many actually go? 7,000. Let me say that again. Enough funds to send 3,000, but 7,000 go. Hundreds of thousands of individuals give their lives to Christ. In one community in specific, there's a political leader who persecutes the church. He actually ends up with a disease that's gonna kill him, something with his liver, and what did the believers do? Well, they didn't say, good, God's gonna take care of our persecutor. But what happened is actually they told him, we're gonna pray for you. And the day that he went into the doctor and the doctor said, I can't explain it, he said, I understand. And he himself became a believer. You see, we serve a God of the impossible. There's a, another North African country where there's two dozen imams who are studying scripture. A dozen of them have already come to faith. That creates quite a conundrum when you've got a leader of a mosque who is now following Jesus. So what is it that's in your hands? No excuses. God's looking for you. And believe that God can do the God of the impossible. Why? Because Jesus is smirking. You see, he knows what he's going to do. One day around the throne, there will be people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. The question is not whether God's going to do it. The question is, will we be a part of what God is doing? What is in your hands? You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 